0: And this was one of the best years of my life.
1: I don't know, cause it's a music podcast, so I didn't I didn't go that far.
0: Wait, 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 wait. Well I figured, you know, if it goes well, then that's because of me. if it goes bad, that's because of you guys. So I'm not too worried. <laughs> <laughs> you can bend behind the nut.
1: You were just thinking of Babs bunny. <laughs> this is a hot bunny, man. Bunnies
0: could be hot. Club banger. Dude, you can't judge someone's personal life and their music, otherwise you wouldn't like Kanye. And Kanye's awesome. His music is awesome. He sucks. And yeah,
1: now, see, I was going to the ball game. my buddy Tom, who couldn't play Zig Zag Wham by the new Ball J Boys. So close. Ah! Alright.
0: Cool. We're recording. Steve,
1: we're recording now. Wow, welcome back. Season 2 took forever. Ever yeah, well, to like get
0: going. five years or something. It's been a while. Uh,
1: something like that. It's been a few years.
0: Um, Welcome back, man. It's, it's back. good to hear. For, good to hear from you.
1: Listen, I'll, all I'm saying is that technology was not our friend, and it continues to be a royal pain in the ass. But here we are. Welcome to the Bass and Trouble Podcast. I'm I'm Neil, your faithful Neil.
0: I'm, I'm still Steve. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about
1: one of our personal favorites. We say that as a singular unit. Uh, and one of the most influ- influential bands of the 90s, the... Uh... <laughs> All right, I'm glad, I'm glad that we got that out of the way.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, we changed up a little bit. We used to talk about albums. Now we're just going to talk about bands.
1: Because albums suck. Just kidding. We're still going to talk about albums, but we're just going to focus on a band.
0: Yeah, we're switch it up a little bit.
1: That's only relevant because Black Lives Matter. Racist check.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're expanding our horizons. We've we've grown over the past five years as human beings.
1: Exactly. And uh, you should uh, definitely subscribe to us on uh, Apple Podcasts. And now we're going to be on Spotify. Thanks, Steve. And you can find us on Facebook because we're old and that's the only social media where we plan to uh, promote the the, uh, podcast here.
0: Maybe we could do something about that.
1: Yeah, maybe I don't don't know. We could definitely put cat pictures up or something on Instagram. That would keep people busy. That's
0: really what the people want to see.
1: So this this group, Steve, man, I feel like I feel like it's very interesting that this is a seminal group for for both of us. Seeing as I was not even born when they started, but I still know so much of their music. How 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 do you think we start off Red Hot Chili Peppers? And also, why is their name such an acronym? It's like R-H-C-P. Nobody writes that out anymore.
0: Yeah, people are lazy. Red Hot Chili Peppers is four separate words. Name a band that came out today, that comes out today with a name that long.
1: Also big words, right? It's not like butt, fart,
0: spam, face. Oh, yeah, Red Hot. <laughs> those are really big words.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're really big words. So, so we're talking about the members of the band, and I, I want to talk about the order of importance that we're going to go through them all.
0: They've had a lot of members.
1: Way too many. In fact, in researching for this podcast, I realized that they are a Spinal (laughs) Tap-like band. They've had way too many people.
0: Um, What is it? Only three of them have been the same from the start, though, right?
1: No, not even two. So Anthony Kiedis and Flea are the original members of the band. Everybody else came in afterwards. So those two are at the top. And then you've got Chad Smith, who is the third longest tenured member of the band. The drummer. um, has been. Been the drummer pretty much uh, ever since after Jack Irons and some other guy,
0: right? Um, but
1: then you got John Franchi, who who's who's had obviously a huge part to play. You've got Hilo Slovak, which which as the selfish guitar player I am, I'm giving a shout out to just because he really influenced that early sound of the band. Followed by uh, Dave Navarro, who uh, we'll talk about a little later, but is also very uh, important in, uh, in in a period of the band, uh, the one hot minute. Sessions. Yeah, but that was—he only played got, around for
0: one album. Like he was influential. I, like he's a very important person here. But
1: if there's one word to describe this band, it's heroin. <laughs> Everybody in this band—it's just like an ongoing theme. At one point or another. Yeah, I, exactly. And I'm—I'm um, a big fan. But I don't know. I think Dave Navarro is still more important than Josh.
0: Ooh, <laughs> that
1: poor Josh. is just.
0: <laughs> Josh Klinghoffer was with them through some pretty important years. He kind of filled in for John Frusciante after Dave Navarro didn't work out. Like he was, I'd say this, I'd say for sh- Klinghofer was more influential as far as the band goes than Dave Navarro was.
1: I mean, that's, that's fine that you feel that way. <laughs> I also think that this band, every single one of these extra members was just in there to fill live shows and tours. Like when I read about it, it's like this group did really good work writing music putting it in the studio and then when they went on tour they're like oh half the band has to go do heroin (laughs) and so they just fly in random drummers and guitar players they had people listed i'll tell you what shout out to red hot chili peppers fans everywhere their wikipedia has like a timeline that is probably the same one you use for like the egyptian pharaohs you know lives and overlapping (laughs) centuries going way back in the day it's like, based on the color coding, you can tell which trumpet player was live with the band. I mean, it's it's crazy how many people um, went on tour with them. But but you, you found out something about Jack Irons. I didn't know that Jack Irons is the same guy from Pearl Jam, Jack Irons. Right.
0: Yeah, I didn't know he was part of the Chili Peppers. And it, it looks like, based on the dates here, he was with the Chili Peppers first and then ended up in Pearl Jam.
1: Right, which is like... How I mean, I, we love Pro Jam too, but to go from like that really funky, upbeat, everything is super happy, to then you know, Pro Jam, which is not happy. You know, Pro Jam <laughs> is very like very deep and very solemn. I don't know. It's it's really uh, crazy,
0: but yeah, um, good I think point.
1: Josh Josh gets a bad rap just because you know the last couple albums were just you know go robot and
0: yeah, but I think he kind of understood that. Like he always knew he was filling in for John Frusciante. Like, that was part exactly. of the deal. And then Frusciante cleaned up, and he's like, hey, man, I want to come back. And just this just happened recently. He's like, sorry, Josh, you got to go. And Josh took it <laughs> Josh took it pretty well. Like, it was all, like, out there on Instagram in the public eye. He's like, hey, man, it was, it's been fun, but it's time to hand over.
1: It, it must be the swimming pool of cash that he has back home. He's like, okay, <laughs> yep. I'll just go play, play in my really awesome house.
0: Um, <laughs> my time here is done. I, I've accomplished my goal.
1: The other thing I did I don't know if a lot of people know is that Anthony Kiedis and Flea became friends in junior high school. And uh, I read a story, I actually didn't even put it in the show notes, Steve, where Flea came home. The first day he met Anthony Kiedis, he went home and told his mom, Mom, I found my best friend. Like the most wholesome story ever. <laughs> That's you know, adorable. A bunch of eighth graders. Yeah, like making it, making it real.
0: That's the kind of story that can um, only happen in eighth grade. Like, if I were to come to you tomorrow and be like, yo, Neil, guess what? I just found my best friend. You would laugh at me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what? If you told that to your mom, she'd laugh at you. Right. Like, what?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Aren't you a little old to be finding your best friend? Well, when you're oh, when boy. you're in
0: eighth grade, it's totally acceptable. And apparently he was onto something because look at, look at what happened. That happened back in 1983, apparently. That's when these guys got started back in L.A., and these
1: motherfuckers are old that's 37 years ago you had to put a number on it
0: you had to say the number didn't you (laughs) you you said (laughs) they're older than you are and
1: for a band's formation i'm not talking about their age like that's as a band 37 years old like they predate nirvana they predate a lot of these bands in the 90s when
0: i was younger and found out that aerosmith had been around for 30 years i'm like what that's that's weird but now like (laughs) so have the chili peppers
1: So before we start diving into the music, something new that uh, we made, we made these special playlists. We're going to put them on Spotify and Amazon Music for the band we do every week or the week that we decide to record this, which will be more often, I promise. And we'll put that show description, uh, we'll put that in the show description for the podcast and we'll also put it on Facebook. Just something good to be able to mix that up. Uh, Steve and I are both really good at making
0: playlists, not to pat ourselves on the back, but... I think you just did. (laughs) We are awesome at putting together playlists. (laughs)
1: There's a method to the madness. I mean, we have that awesome Better Covers playlist with Doug, and it sure gets a lot of play. Yeah. I added like four songs alone thanks to this research because apparently this band covers a lot. That's right. Like. So, um, so, Steve, why don't you run through their, their their just discography real quick, and then we'll get into what we think is the best.
0: Yeah, because it's tremendous. What do they have here? This is like um, 10, 13 albums. Two of them are greatest hits. But the first one came out in 83, self-titled Red Hot Chili Peppers. Funky as hell. And that's when they used to play with uh, George Clinton. Like George Clinton, funk master, was, I guess, a big inspiration on these guys. And they used to play together. Uh, and that covered like the first three albums: Freaky, Styly, Uplift, Mofo Party Plan. We're both also very. Imagine
1: going to a record exec, a record company, being like, "Hey, I want to name the album Uplift Mofo Party Plan," and they're like, "Screw it, it's late '80s. We don't know what we're doing."
0: You guys are funky. You guys play with uh, George Clinton. You can do whatever you want. But What's then- a mofo? <laughs> I-, I think you know exactly. <laughs> we're trying to keep it family friendly, dude. Yeah, I know. So. The next few albums, like Mother's Milk in 89, I think, is when they started finding their groove. Like, when they were young, back in the 80s, everything was, like, funky and punky and just super energetic. But then they started, like, maturing, I guess, in the 80s and 90s. They had Mother's Milk, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, I think we both agree is probably their best album. And then their first greatest hits came out in 92 called What What Hits. At that point, they had five albums. It's enough to build a greatest hits from. Then sure they moved on to one hot minute californication by the way and then had another greatest hits only after those three albums i don't know how that happened <laughs> it seems more well, because
1: that I, I don't understand that either like i guess the what hits didn't have californication tunes in it or by the way hits in it so it kind of makes sense the thing that i love is that the chili peppers were so busy doing heroin that they made a Greatest Hits album after Blood Sugar Sex Magic. They're like, you know what? (laughs) We did good with this album. Let's just make a Greatest Hits and hang out for three years and make nothing.
0: Also, their second Greatest Hits actually had, I think, two original songs. One of them became a pretty decent single on its own. Um, But then since that second Greatest Hits in 2003, they had three albums since then. Stadium Arcadium, which was their first number one debut. It was a double album. And then, finally, I'm With You came out in 2011, and The Getaway was their most recent in 2016.
1: Which one has the pill with the fly? Is that I'm With You?
0: Yes. The Getaway had a girl walking down the street, like, surrounded by animals, like she was like Dr. Doolittle or something.
1: Yeah, that one was, was good. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting, and as we kind of go through these albums, um, it, it's kind of weird how it brought up all these feelings when I was researching these things and these different albums to be like, that song, that song, that song, like... These guys make really good songs. It seems like over and over and over again, um, and, and there's probably some form, some formulas to it in the sense that you can tell Red Hot Chili Pepper song is a Red Hot Chili Pepper song, but um, it's just amazing how they keep coming and they keep coming. And now that Fashawn back in the mix, who knows? They might you know come surprise everybody again. Yeah. So, Steve, what are your uh, what are your favorite albums? And I think I think we kind of listed things so that we each kind of get a get our own listing. Cause I know, I know there's certain albums that you love way, right. well, way higher up.
0: Now, what I thought was interesting when we we're talking about our favorite albums, you and I have the same top five just in different orders. In, uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. But right. So going back to the album list, actually for a second, what I wanted to say was that every time a new album comes out, it, they mature, like they kind of keep up with the times, but they're also, you know, they've been around long enough where each album gets more and more adult like, I can call it like that. And I'm still, like, you know, pining for the days of Blood Sugar Sex Magic. I want it to be, like, super energetic and punky and and funky. And it's only after it's been out for a few years do I finally, like, settle in with it. Be like, oh, they're maturing and so am I. And, like, each album that comes out, I'm a little disappointed with it first. Because it doesn't have the energy that I want and that I expect out of, you know, 20-year-old Anthony Kiedis. But now that it's been out for long enough... I start to vibe with it a little bit more and realize that they're progressing just as as much as anyone does.
1: It's got to be tough when you have that kind of a repertoire and that kind of a you know, listing of albums and music that not everything you put out sounds like the thing before.
0: But somehow upon looking back now, I can say that everything they've done has followed a natural progression. Like they stayed true to themselves, but, but kept it going. So going back to the top five albums, we both agree Blood Sugar Sex Magic is number one. Like that is their yeah. defining, that's their best album. Um, one Hot Minute is on the top five. I think you ranked that a little bit higher than I did. And right. By The Way is my second favorite, Mostly just because of where I was at the time, it just like reminds me of you know my you teenage loved years. You love that and... album.
1: I remember when that album came out, you were all about it. <laughs> Throw away your television. You were just like so into that album. Which don't get me wrong, it's a great album. I was just surprised on your rankings how Californication went all the way down on your bottom five, where it you know to me it's kind of uh, you know third well, you know, as far as their their albums go.
0: Break. Californication and by the way to me almost feels like a double album like they came out um what like two or three years apart but it's all defining one era in the chili pepper saga like they just seem like the same album to me
1: really i see that's the thing is like i don't even have a, a i changed so much between Californication and by the way that all i remember from Californication days was listening to it and being like oh these old this old rock is so cool to me it was old rock this is like in the year 2002 <laughs> like this is not old this is like brand new right and then um and then by the way it came out and it totally like you know was was a was to me totally to me sounded different but i i amounted to you probably were totally played out by all the californication songs because they were on the airwaves constantly i feel like yeah. of all their albums that's the music that they just you know play the most
0: of right um what else do we have in there uh stadium arcadium debuted at number yeah. one which i mentioned and it's definitely in their top five uh one hot minute definitely makes the top five but it has that dave navarro influence like it's a right. little bit more aggressive I, I don't know how to put it into words exactly but like it just feels like it's a little bit more energetic but not He's as heavy
1: guitarist He's more influenced by like you know Led Zeppelin and harder rock music, where I feel like John Frusciante is more um, David Gilmour play around the things. Like he's a little more mm. airy, whereas whereas like David is much more t- tack. <laughs> yeah, much more heroin. I mean, he doesn't have his teeth. Let's just be honest. <laughs> I think at one point you told me that he has wooden teeth, and I don't know where it came out. Did I it was say in a conversation. I, I remember to this day. I'm like. It's like Steve made him George Washington. It's like he's got <laughs> wooden teeth. Like, <laughs> pretty sure they're, they're not wood. But anyways, um, well, I'll jump right into Blood Sugar Sex Magic. We kind of listed these, like I said, taking into account uh, each other's rankings. Um, and the thing I love about, about Blood Sugar Sex Magic, and, and we can both talk about, is how it has so many different styles of songs. So I'd say the bulk of it is still very funky, it's very aggressive, right? Um, But then it's like he's got these great mellow songs in it and even has songs that make absolutely no sense, like a cover of Robert Johnson's They're Red Hot at like 185 BPM, which they threw in at the end. Like, oh, that's That's a a great idea. It is. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) and and the original is an extremely slow blues song by Robert Johnson um, played in some weird
0: beat. But I mean, it only makes sense that they're the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I thought it was an original. They're saying they're red hot.
1: Yeah, I did you know one of these albums I think they also cover um that Bob Dylan song Subterranean Homesick Blues. Right. Yeah,
0: add a little funky right? energetic beat on that. Which
1: is actually a better cover. I'm sorry, but the Look out kid, it must be something that you did. Right. <laughs> like it's really well, cool.
0: If you want to start that cover conversation, what was it uh, Fire by Jimi Hendrix.
1: Yes, yeah, another
0: yeah. one that these guys do that uh, I can't say they did better than Hendrix because that would be sacrilege, but like it ranks up there, dude.
1: They play it super fast. Yeah, they play it super, super fast and, and super aggressive. But you know, the greatest thing to my mind is you start off an album with a song like The Power of Equality, which is the first song on this album, and it has my favorite lyric Madder than a motherfucker lick my finger. <laughs> what? it's the very last verse that he starts it off like that it's like yes
0: wait my question is, is why it? is that your favorite uh i'm missing something here
1: because it has that huge guitar solo in it and it's like Meep. it it's all quiet and it's like better than a motherfucker lick my finger i'm like what, what the heck <laughs> anthony he's just like sitting yeah exactly he's just sitting around just i know this is oh steve could see my full body so he could see that i'm tensing up it's funny actually with all these wires uh, hanging from me it looks like i'm like currently hospitalized <laughs> guys just so you understand the rigs for this recording steve's okay i am not okay in fact i'm less than okay but i'm okay to be here and chatting you're doing great um, anyways to, to just keep going on on songs i like on this album um i'll, I'll go past all the funky stuff. I mean, Mel, Ship, Slinky, and B Major is probably one of my top five Chili Pepper songs of all time. I love, love that song. But then, I mean, Under the Bridge, I mean, come on. That song is timeless. Just a beautiful song.
0: That is considered classic rock these days, which kind of makes me a little bit sad, but like, (laughs) it's fine. I I get it. But it is one of those, like, when we were growing up, we had Led Zeppelin, you know, classics and ballads and all this kind of stuff, and it's cool to see that Chili Peppers fall into that category now. Like, I can, I can get down with that. Like, Under the Bridge it's is... It's got
1: staying power.
0: Yeah, it's one of those classic songs.
1: But, you know, another thing that I found, found out that was really interesting is uh, Breaking the Girl, which was a really cool song for me growing up. It was one of the first, one of the first few songs I actually mastered on guitar because it's pretty easy. Um, anyways, they only performed that song live one time. I found out. Really? Once, like right after the release of this album, when they went on tour, they played it one time, and they've never, ever, ever played it again. Any reason why? No, nobody even asks why. (laughs) I want to be the
0: one to ask why. Like,
1: I'm probably, I'm probably gonna say it's a challenging song to play live because it's acoustics and it's, you know, it probably requires a lot of setup. It's like a weird song, but.
0: But it's it's such an epic song. The way it like rolls and the way that it builds, it like it's got that thundering beat behind it that just kind of builds on itself. I love the way that that happens.
1: Yeah, and so so yeah, that that that's really everything I wanted to say about the album, Steve. I mean, I again, one of those like first entrees into rock. I mean, everybody needs to know about Blood Sugar Sex Magic.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I got a few notes here. Um, you know, Kim Gordon from Sonic Youth. She's that. Yes. Yeah, she apparently had this conversation with Flea and said, hey, slow it down. Like, simplify it a little bit. Like, Flea is the kind of guy who who's out there, and he's ballsy. It's kind of in his last name. Um, but then Kim Gordon said, hey, slow it down a little bit. So his response to that was, I tried to get small enough to get inside the song, as opposed to stepping out and saying, hey, I'm Flea, the bitchin' bass player. <laughs> um, Kim Gordon loved the funk bass, but she hated the way the white guys play it because they turned it into this macho jock thing so he kind of took that to heart and he's like you know what i'm gonna like
1: like she's talking about me i'm that white guy <laughs> that's that's kind of a jock about the bass
0: so yeah john for Frisant, john for guitar on this album he is literally one of those virtuosos who just did everything in the first or second take he doesn't sit there and try to like get things perfectly he just plays from the heart or from the heroine and it's all done <laughs> uh, you know off the top of his head which is cool and then what you didn't mention about when we were talking about when we were talking about Under the Bridge it was originally just a poem like Anthony Kiedis wrote it to be poetry and it turns out it went pretty well with one of their some of their music and he decided to put it together and now it's one of their everlasting classics it's kind of, that's kind of awesome like I did that Place I love. Take me all the I wanna right, so let's move on to the next album, By The Way, um, which also has a bunch of awesome songs on here, and I think this is when they started maturing a little bit. Like, they're not quite as energetic and funky, but they still have stuff like By The Way, obviously, the title track. The Zephyr song is still one of my favorite Chili Pepper songs of all time. That was a radio Can't hit,
1: stop. Zephyr song. That did really good on the radio. Yeah.
0: Um, cabron Man, that song makes me think of you every time <laughs> uh, Not that you're a cabron or anything I'm just saying
1: <laughs> It's a great song I think I learned the guitar once for it It's pretty fun So which one of these songs Did you really connected with you? Was it Was it Was it Throw Away Your Television? I just Wait I just remember you really loved that song Like I remember that song Was like your jam
0: Also because I never really watch TV So I kind of get it Like You know what It's 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 a repeat Yeah <laughs> 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 um, uh, yeah there's just a I don't know I think it was the vibe of this album like as much mm-hmm. as I keep going back to the fact that I want them to be their young self and full of energy and full of funk like this was more my speed if that makes right. sense
1: I remember when this album came out everybody shit all over it said it was too slow it had no energy and I remember it, like reading all that and then listening to it and being like this is a great album what, what are these people talking about like it's some really pretty songs um, you know, I Could I could Die For You is really pretty. I, I Could Die For You had great lyrics in it, you know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. And everybody's waiting that, like, they'll never slow down. They'll never make anything different. But um, I'm a big fan. By the way, too, is just a like a stadium song, man. That song kills.
0: Yep. So, yeah, what else you got? What else can you tell us about this album?
1: You know, some things that, that, that I found, about it, uh, found out about it is that During this album's creation, the creativity was flowing really heavily between Frashanti and Ketis, but a big divide came from between Flea and John Frashanti. He actually almost left the band while this was being produced. Um, He kind of resented John because he felt John was being like getting into his super artsy mode i don't know if if you know this and everybody people know this out there but he's a big like art guy like he does other things he does paintings Mm -hmm. and he does kinds of that kind of stuff and he just kind of felt like oh like i'm just i'm just a shitty bass player i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) um and uh you know eventually they hashed it out chad smith kind of like made them fix it but um the really cool thing is that the whole time, he was thinking, I'm going to quit the band, I quit the band, and he was literally thinking, I can't tell my best friend, Anthony, that I'm going to quit the band. Like, that's what kind of held it all together, is no matter how mad he got, he couldn't picture going up to Ketis and
0: being like, hey, I quit. Dude, um, I could never turn to you and be like, I'm quitting the podcast. I could never, I, it's not in me.
1: That would really hurt. I mean, you also own the domain, so it would like double <laughs>
0: hurt. <laughs> be well, like, oh. just know, I, I could never, I would never, I'm in it for life as much as they're in the chili peppers
1: (laughs) as much as it hurts um yeah so also i learned that by the way um was a song that they that that john and um and anthony put together um post 9-11 they were just talking about you know like there's so much good in the world and everybody's talking about it coming to an end and um and that's just a bunch of bullshit and we have to be uh you know kind of stamp out the negativity in the world and um, wow we
0: can use that lesson today it's still relevant
1: yeah, let me tell you. Um, and so, you know, that track uh, alone, that track spent 14 weeks at number one on the Modern Rock chart.
0: Um, Damn. Which is awesome. Um, yeah. I guess that's what the world needed at the time.
1: The album itself peaked at number two on the Billboard album chart. So as much as critics came out and were like, oh, it's slow, they don't like it. Apparently somebody liked it because a lot of people <laughs> bought it. <laughs> so um, that's good to know.
0: on to one hot minute.
1: Yeah, yeah. The 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 really kind of that weird I almost think this is like the like the Led Zeppelin three of Red Hot Chili Peppers albums where like people diverted, man, they diverted so hard. They've got they're doing something different. And then later on post release, people really learned to appreciate it. And what's weird Steve is that like in musician circles this album is really high up there. And I think that's why really? I had a rank so high because the musicality alone in it... I mean, Walkabout has a jaw harp, for the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> Aeroplane is one of the top three funk bass lines that you kind of have to learn if you're a bass player. Like, you okay. have to figure it out. Um, and just, it, it has a lot of... I don't know, a lot of connection. I think a lot of the lyrics, too, are so... Um, just ba- they just go so well with the music. Like Anthony Kiedis does a good job of writing lyrics, but I also feel like sometimes in his albums he kind of he, he fights himself. He doesn't like his own voice. Like if you read his autobiography, he mm-hmm. he always thought he was a shitty singer. Um, mm-hmm. And in this album, I feel like he just did not care. Like his his total soul came out in this album. In my opinion, it's it's one of the, the prettiest singing uh, jobs he he ever did.
0: All right. Well, when you put it that way, <laughs> I can't disagree. But yeah. for me, it hits my top five because of. This reminds me of high school. This was like one of my most influential high school albums. Just to age myself really? a little bit. Yeah, like I was in the thick of my glory days.
1: Jenkos when Steve. this came out.
0: <laughs> yeah, big <laughs> badass Jenkos. But also some of the songs on here, like P I mean that there's no song in the world that's like that. It's just Flea and his bass talking about Messing things up, to put it yeah. Nicely. This
1: album was inspired by him getting his ass kicked at a fair by a bunch of jocks. That's who where would the inspiration do that? Came from this song. Who would, who would, well, he was do like that? a little dude. Like, if you ever look up childhood pictures of Flea, he's just like a you know, undersized, skinny dude that was into like punk rock. And he used to get, mm. his, I mean, LA, LA is one of those places where there's so many different types of cultures, but the main culture sucks.
0: Like, Isn't I that never, why so many people get into punk? Rock is because they're picked on,
1: pretty much. I think it's the the number one overriding factor is you want to make a good punk rocker. Just beat him up when he's a kid, or uh, well, he could blow up your school. One or the other. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go back to the old ways where you just make yeah. really
0: good music out of it.
1: Let's do that.
0: Um, so one hot minute also had tearjerker with which, which I think is one of their sweetest songs ever. Like it really is music that is a tiered jerker. Like, the title yeah. explains the song itself. Like, it's just, like, really sweet. And what I didn't know before today is that it was a tribute to Kurt Cobain.
1: You really didn't know that, or are you just making that up for the podcast?
0: No, honestly, I I did not really? make the connection there. Because, what, wow, this came man. out in 95, and Kurt Cobain died in 94? So, I mean, it makes sense. The timing is there, but I, I did not make that connection.
1: Yeah, I, I was... Uh, I, I recalled reading something about how... Like, Andy Kiedis put it put it something basically like, like Kurt was the most sweet, kind guy, which made no sense because he's on stage yelling and cursing and like just being a a, a crazy banshee. But he was so understatedly sweet to everybody he ever met with. He was a funny guy.
0: Well, and, I mean, um, that's how a lot of death metal artists and people that are get out their aggression on stage are big teddy bears behind the scenes.
1: Right. And so, um, yeah, I, I I think that's awesome. You know, something else that's kind of interesting is about this album um, is that it's got the song My Friends, and um, I... Not to be confused
0: with Me and My Friends, which is a different Julia song. Me and my,
1: me and me and, me and my friends. <laughs> <laughs> that song, by the way, is really odd. I thought it was better than I, it was better than I, it's not as good as I remember it, because that's the only part that I really like in it. I feel like the whole right. build-up to it is a little bit, like, convoluted,
0: but it's okay. But then you get My Friends, which is the opposite type of emotion from Me and My Friends. Yeah. It's like much more mellow, much more chill.
1: Yeah, the amount of like, the, the cool thing about this album is I feel like having Dave Navarro, he really knows how to layer guitars. So like, you know, he talked about John Fruscianti was on, on Blood Sugar Sex Magic, like one take, get the solo in. Oh, I didn't like it, re-recorded. I'm not going to layer a lot. This album is like so much layering, like whether it's My Friends or whether it's Walkabout. There's like two or three guitars going on in every song. Um, and I think he was really good about that, but, but the song, my friends, it's got really, really cool lyrics. I mean, it's about, you know, depression. It's about, dealing with stuff going through. Yeah, <laughs> man, cool. they, they're going through a lot. I just, you know, after reading his autobiography, it's like, it's kind of funny how I think makes fun of the access to everything he had. Like if you wanted to go on a heroin bender, he would just go to like Costa Rica and just disappear off the face of the earth for like a month because he had <laughs> access to just do that, you know? Um, where, you know, it's, it, it kind of reminds me of Jim Morrison, you know, it's kind of sad how he passed away, but it's because he got to just go to Paris and disappear from the earth for a few months. Nobody knew where he was other than was like his manager and, and the girl he was with. But mm. that's what happens when you're famous and you have a drug habit. So um, yeah. with that being said, one other factoid about this album is the song Aeroplane. I didn't know this, but at the end of the song, when there's a bunch of little kids singing It's My Aeroplane, it's actually Flea's daughter Clara and her kindergarten
0: class singing it. That's how adorable. cool was that? <laughs> yeah, like I, always, I know about the child chorus behind it, but I didn't realize it had that personal touch.
1: Yeah, so I, I thought that was neat, and uh, it kind of goes to show these—you know—these guys had families,
0: right? You know, so this was the album that Dave Navarro, the only album that Dave Navarro played on, and shortly after this album came out, he was fired due to guess what?
1: Just not showing up on time?
0: I mean, technically, (laughs) yes. But drug use, who would have guessed? It's like, oh, we had to get rid of John Frusciante because he was doing too much drugs. Come on in, Dave Navarro. Oh, you're doing too much drugs. All right, now what?
1: Yeah, it's just wild, man. It's just wild.
0: I can make it disappear. I can make it disappear.
1: You know, fourth on the list here that we're going through is uh, Californication, um, which starts off with one of the freaking coolest songs ever, which is Around the World. Um, funny note about Around the World, it is not as hard to play on the instrument as it sounds. It's so fast, it's unbelievable. That whole bass by that, I had my bass player show me that and I was like, oh, I added like 15 extra things to that. It's like, no, it's just fast. And it's just a cool song. You know, it talks about, um, you know, just going around the world. It really is very thematic. But I'd say of all their albums, Californication probably has the most, like, radio-heavy songs that you would normally equate to Chili Peppers. I think you've got Under the Bridge is kind of number one, probably. Everybody knows Mm -hmm. that one. But then, you know, songs like Scar Tissue and Other Side and Californication, those three songs are kind of like the overplayed Chili Peppers tunes, but they're great songs.
0: Yeah, this whole album just kind of seems homogenous. Like, a lot of their albums have diversity. A a bunch of slow songs, a bunch of fast songs, a bunch of funky songs. This one seems like it's uniform kind of throughout. A lot of these songs kind of flow into each other and it has a good progression from one track to the next, but not a lot of diversity in in the sound on this album.
1: I was surprised that Get On Top was on this album. I was like man that that's like they did a throwback you know like that's right? that's a funky song I just, it's probably the coolest song you know because it has that quiet part that you know applications of a man get on top like it's very freaky style and uh yeah. doesn't belong in here at all it would be like it would be like the Beatles throwing in like uh like I am the walrus into like the same <laughs> album with help you'd be like wait what the heck is this yeah it
0: does not belong but it also has road tripping which, um, it, it's, yeah, one of my favorites, and I've been on multiple road trips with my favorite allies, and we got it's snacks a very and cool song.
1: Yeah, it's one of those songs where you can kind of hear the 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 sunrise in the back, because it calls to a sunrise. It's almost, um, Hotel it's, California-esque. It's got, like, a nice ooh. little, puts you in the mood.
0: It, it's been my inspiration to someday drive the Pacific Coast Highway and go to Big Sur. Like... If it wasn't for this song, I probably would not care about doing that at all. But now I have to do that before I die.
1: I love how much you've been—you've been driving lately. Just you know, being able to leave New York City to visit friends in other states. Because I always—I always feel like, uh, like you miss driving. But then, like the more I, yeah, that—that's—that slowly happened. You know, I think once you moved to the big city, you were like, "Fuck driving! I don't have to die anymore." And now <laughs> you're like, actually, driving sounds great—the <laughs> freedom of movement.
0: Yeah, you need a little balance in there. Yeah.
1: So what else can we say about Californication?
0: Well, it spent 16 straight weeks at number one. That's uh, impressive. That's an impressive feat.
1: Wait, do you have Oh, sorry.
0: That, yeah, Californication was at number one for 16 weeks on Billboard's Modern Rock Tracks. But if you move to mainstream rock tracks, then it still made a, a commendable 10 weeks there. Wow. And earned a Grammy Award for Best Rock Song in 2000. That's nuts. So they were, they were chilling on top of the world back in the day. And this was the album where John Frusciante came back. Nice. And he had taken a break since Blood Sugar Sex Magic, which I guess kind of goes back to, like you were saying, There's some songs on here which bring back the old vibe. Right. What other fun facts do we have to share here?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you're right. These songs, are like... Scar tissue, other side, and Californication kind of all blend, to me. Even though Scar tissue is definitely, it's 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 definitely a really cool, different song. Um, I don't know. Roxy's favorite song, Chili Pepper song, is Other Side, like 100% favorite song. Really, I think comes on. She loves it. I think I showed her the music video once, and she was like, she was like three, and she was like, "What's happening?" (laughs) It's like, (laughs) like, I think it just stuck in her head. Like, oh, this is a really cool song.
0: Um, yeah, that's how you're a good dad. You're like, hey, check out some Chili Peppers. They did a lot of heroin. Don't do yeah, that.
1: Yeah, she's gonna end up like growing up to listen to like Takashi Six Nine because I've been pumping her with good <laughs> music. She's gonna be like, oh, what's the worst thing I could listen to to piss off my dad? Yeah, you imagine Takashi Six Nine in ten years. It's gonna be like it's right
0: right around the corner, dude. Just wait. Oh boy. <laughs> So let's close out the top five here with Stadium Arcadium, which also made our, our top five. Um, Banger. There's a lot to unpack here. It's a double album, and it is so good. I think there was so much pent up demand that it immediately debuted at number one. Everybody was and like, "It's the oh, only double album they ever
1: did, right? Like it's the yeah. only full double album they ever." Well, it's so funny. When people say double album. It's like back in the '60s and '70s, when a record was a double album, it it had as many songs as a regular CD. So this is like a double okay. CD. So it's almost like a quad album, you know?
0: But I'm trying to think it was like, this came out in 2006 and it doesn't seem like that was a real popular time for double albums.
1: No, I don't think it was at all.
0: I remember back <laughs> in the nineties and stuff when I was working in music shops, like you would see, you know, double CDs all the time. Like that was the cool thing to do, but right. it kind of took a downturn for a while. And then all of a sudden they're like, Hey guys, no, you've been waiting long enough here are two CDs worth of music. Right. Um, but again, you can see them slowing down a little bit. Like, they're getting older, they're they're getting more chill. It uh, doesn't mean the songs are any less cool.
1: Wasn't there some connection to, like, the Mars Volta guitarist in this album? Like, he inspired John Fruscianti to, like, play a little harder or play a little bit, like, more aggressive. I feel like there's some connection with that band You know, there's always, there's always bands that come in that nobody fucking remembers like Mars Volta to inspire (laughs) a much better group to get it together. That's, that's That's how these things work.
0: Yeah. So this album had snow on it and, uh, I'm happy to say I was in the video for snow.
1: What do you mean you were in the video for snow?
0: So they played two nights in a big arena out in Jersey. And as you walk into the arena, they're handing out those little pen lights To every single person, they're handing out two, like here's one for each hand. So when they play this song, they tell everybody, all right, take out your little pen lights and wave them in the air and go crazy with them. So they're recording the video, and the entire audience, it looks like snow, not really like snow, but it looks like the audience is going crazy with little pen lights. They're trying to imitate snow in the audience, Mm -hmm. but the video was recorded during one of the two shows that I went to. So if you look on a super high-definition TV, I might be a pixel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Seems like... Did, so were they, were they just regular, like, um, lawn seats?
0: Oh, no, it was an indoor arena type of show.
1: You said, do you know, could you, like, maybe figure out where your seat was?
0: Yeah, I looked at it, and I found my pixel. <laughs> but I really can't pointed out to anybody you're
1: like i'm such a fucking idiot it's just a little dot yeah
0: i'm in the crowd (laughs) at that show i was in the video that's all that matters
1: that's all that matters i was there it counts suck on that that's awesome snow hayo is like a really popular song with i think like zennials or whatever they're called zennials i just for some reason it's like my my nephew loves that song um uh Your nephew's
0: a a, a, not David. uh, Jonathan.
1: Jonathan's a zoomer. Uh, No, no. Wait, what's a zoomer? Is that like
0: (laughs) a Generation Z? It's like a Boomer only the younger crowd.
1: You know what? This pandemic I hope it takes out a few generations and we could just go back (laughs) to having (laughs) having a couple a couple last generations.
0: Wow. Uh, Just kidding. Yeah, thank Uh, you for just kidding that one because I hope nobody (laughs) dies ever. Um, Back to Stadium Arcadium, though. You know the song Hump De Bump?
1: Yeah, is that still my ringtone? Or did you change that at some point?
0: It should still be your ringtone.
1: You had it as my ringtone (laughs) when that album came out. I'll never forget that. You're like, I made your ringtone Hump De Bump. I'm like, thanks, that song's awesome.
0: Because it is as funky as you are, my friend. Thank you, Steve.
1: You know what your ringtone is? Use a (laughs) hoe. <laughs> as soon as it picks up, like, Aww, Steve's called me a hoe. That's
0: so sweet.
1: <laughs> tell my love now. Me, yeah, oh, yeah.
0: Tell my love now. People need the cover album. Now the perfect wonder where it's so wild. And then we have a sixth album, kind of, on our top top five albums, and it's the soundtrack to the Coneheads movie, which is really obscure and nobody remembers it. The Coneheads are like...
1: The soundtrack or the movie?
0: I mean, if we're just talking about the movie, it's like a Saturday Night Live spinoff with Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> but for some reason, the soundtrack on this thing was forgettable, except for one song right? by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Soul to Squeeze is... My first song that I ever learned on bass, first of all, just because it's, like, groovy and, yeah, relatively easy. But I figured it's worth a mention on here because Soul to Squeeze was such a hot song that even though the rest of the Conehead soundtrack was completely forgettable, it included this.
1: I can't believe that song never made it to an album. Like, was there anything preventing them? Like, was Paramount holding them to the feet of the fire?
0: I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, there was something like that. It's probably
1: on the greatest hits, though. I would imagine,
0: right? So, so looking at
1: looking at the accolades this band put together, man, I mean, they're in they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm pretty sure. Oh, Are you we sure? should have checked that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they are. <laughs> okay, like, you know it's it's a corporate award. They give it to, to people who sell a lot of records.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at this Wikipedia page of all the awards they've won, dude. I don't even know where to start. Like their nominations and their wins. Well, they won four Meteor Ireland Music Awards, four of them. But I don't know what the Meteor Ireland Music Awards are. So like,
1: people's fans are they,
0: crazy. They Shout were nominated out to for two, two Hungarian Music Award nominations.
1: What does that even mean?
0: They won three awards for the Hong Kong Top Sales Music Awards. So, all right, here we go. This is some real stuff. They got one, two, three, four, five, six Grammy awards. The they won the stuff. Grammy six You're times. you like,
1: enough with these European countries and their giveaway awards. Let's talk about, yeah, yeah like your Hong Kong Top Sales Music Award. Not really caring about it. Oh, man, they won Grammys? Yes. Multiple 16 Grammys. 16
0: times nominated, and they won six of them. So that's pretty impressive. Going all the way back to 91, Higher Ground, they were nominated for Best Rock Vocal Performance by a duo or a group. Wow. But then, also as recently as 2012, they were nominated for Best Rock Album, but didn't win.
1: Do you know what? What we're never, what artists we're never going to review on here, Steve, unless it's an April Fool's episode, it's going to be Coldplay. Because Steve and I both (laughs) don't like that band. We avoid them at all costs.
0: Yeah, if I have a choice to listen to the Coldplay or anything else, anything else wins.
1: Ladies, if you're listening, if you ever want Steve to leave the dinner table on a date, just mention Coldplay and how much you love them. Instantly to the door. All right. Great to meet you. Yeah, that was fun. By the way, the Chili Peppers were inducted in the Hall of Fame in 2012, worth noting. Thank
0: God. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right, good. Well, now it's time, Steve. It's time for our...
0: Oh, so yeah, I think all of the Rock Facts this week are about the Chili Peppers, starting with a great story about one time when I was in Italy. And I went to go see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So I tried to get to the concert early. I didn't have tickets yet. But I wanted to get there and, like, you know, just kind of find some tickets in the parking lot. But I was staying at a hostel. These two people I was staying with, they're like, hey, we'll ride out with you. Just hold on a minute while we kill this bottle of Jägermeister. (laughs) (laughs) So we're sitting there, and they're taking shot after shot after shot. It was not, like, a... You know, it was a full bottle of Jaeger. So by the time we get there, these guys are wasted and (laughs) we're late. So there weren't too many options left to buy tickets in the parking lot. So I buy my ticket. We all try to walk in together. My ticket was scanned and it was fake. I bought a fake ticket to a chili pepper show in Italy. So I had nothing else to do but go back to the guy who sold me the ticket. So I'm in the parking lot and I'm like, hey, dude, just give me back my money or like, you know, give me give me a real ticket. The two people I was with, drunk off their ass, they jumped the guy. They push him down this (laughs) short little 50 year old guy wearing glasses. Like, uh, things got out of control real quick. So security gets involved and people point at me because I was just talking to the guy and they take me like by the arm behind the stadium. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa,
1: I'm just just a dude. Yeah, I'm like, I'm just trying
0: to see a show, dude. So they're like, you know that buying Ticket Like, buying fake tickets can get you in jail. And I'm like, dude, I'm in Italy. The last thing I want to do right now is be in jail. So they're like, all right, at the end of the day, hey, thank you for pointing out this guy. We've had our eye on him for a while. We thought he's been selling fake tickets. So we can't refund your money, but if you want to buy a a legit ticket, you can pay for another ticket and you can get in. So at the end of the day, I ended up making it just in time for their first song. Everything worked out in the end, but it was a very scary half hour or so of my life. All the Italians talking about the Americano. I don't know what they were saying about me, but like...
1: They're probably wearing fancy wigs as they talked about your.
0: (laughs) Is that what they do there? That that could have happened to me, but thank God. (laughs) Some people had mercy. So you want to tell us about, yeah, they're um, not just music, but they are also wonderful actors.
1: Yeah. Amazingly, Flea has an illustrious acting career, so... Uh, Thanks, Steve, for looking all these up. I could only come up with one, but apparently he's had roles in Toy Story. Um, No clue what that is. Oh, Back to the Future 2 and 3. He was in The Big Lebowski. That I do remember now. He was in Fear and Loathing, probably his most memorable role. He was in Baby Driver. Don't even remember that. And uh, he's also in a great, great Pixar film film called Inside
0: Out. Yeah, I was about to say how in most of these movies, he plays the same part he's like a thug or like you know like a badass motorcycle rider and then he's an inside out which is like a pixar kids movie i don't know how he got nominated for that role actually i I think i just put it together i think he got the role for inside out because he was in a child's cartoon before really you ever watched the wild thornberries yeah you know, Donny Thornberry, like the feral child who never really speaks in actual words. He just like, yeah, <laughs> well, that was Flea. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: that's the easiest job he ever showed up for. <laughs> it, it's not that
0: easy, not that easy, dude. Like, I can't speak that much gibberish and sound like a feral caveman child. But Flea has those skills.
1: i tell you what, that with a name like Flea, you can get away with anything. So apparently the band first made a name for themselves on their local club scene when they played the famous Kit Kat club in LA by doing their now famous socks on cocks
0: routine. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss rhyme. It's like socks on cocks, <laughs> cocks on socks.
1: Yeah, I mean, they it, it was really done to take attention away from uh, the female strippers performing at the club and to make sure that they could get uh, more of the attention i would hate to be the stripper on the other side of that <laughs> suffering not getting tips to be like really um <laughs> yeah i mean apparently Keitas came up with it when he was 17 uh by answering the door with uh, nothing but a sock on his you know what just to uh impress a girl confident guy
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He knows how to get some attention. And uh, apparently, if you're in a strip club and you've got a stage full of strippers and a stage full of red hot chili peppers, you need a gimmick. And apparently they're all pretty cool with nudity, so might as well.
1: Man, so, I mean, that's... Anything else? Any any other rock facts?
0: Yeah, um, so, I don't know exactly when this happened, but at some point, Anthony Kiedis started growing a mustache. Like, you know... Like Was what, it by the way? Came about?
1: Was it Stadium yeah, Arcadium?
0: Song? Um, I don't know. But, from... I've got a little bit of inside information here. That mustache is a summer For those, of,
1: those of you who couldn't see, Steve has to keep um, Cleo at bay during these recordings. The more excited <laughs> he gets, the louder she gets. It's kind of fantastic.
0: Here, Kenny! Yeah, if you hear a cat in the background, it, <laughs> she's adorable and she's cute.
1: <laughs> it's great.
0: But... Yeah, so Anthony Kiedis' mustache um, often houses its summer home for a few families of squirrels and chipmunks.
1: That's amazing. I mean, that, to me, is the best. two, three, four, all right, so, I mean, some artists that are similar we talk about, I mean, really, Steve, <laughs> you put the best. Basically, any 90s or every 90s alternative band. These guys are like the the Led Zeppelin of the 90s. Like how... All bands in the '70s were just trying to be Zeppelin. It's like all bands in the '90s are just trying to be the Chili Peppers. Like it really kind of is amazing how they all just try to vibe off that style. I I always find Blind Melon reminds me a lot of them, but in a different way because I feel like that guy could is like a real not not Sandy that he it, but it's like a
0: real singer. It's the heroin connection. There Shannon we go. Hoon from Blind Melon, also died of heroin.
1: There we go. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so Steve, sucky song of the day. Man, keep it in the theme of the Chili Peppers.
0: Yeah, it, it's only proof that you can take like a five-minute sample of anything, and if you just loop it the right way and <laughs> add some rap rock lyrics over it, you can make a hit. Yeah. So you remember you remember that band Crazy Town? It's okay if you don't, because nobody does. But they <laughs> had the song Butterfly that was ripped off of a five-second clip of Pretty Little Diddy by the Chili yeah. Peppers.
1: Which is a great song, and it's really uh, kind of a funky and I don't even know. It's like almost like jazzy. There's like a really weird vibe to it. And I, get, I never. It's only
0: jazzy because it's the Chili Peppers <laughs> music.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know what genre these guys fall into back then. But new
0: metal. Remember new metal? That was the genre back in the day.
1: It's rough. So it was named the 34th most awfully bad song ever by VH1.
0: We're not the only ones who think that it's a terrifically crappy song. Like VH1 has some clout behind him and they would agree.
1: VH1 Does VH1 still exist?
0: <laughs> Does cable TV still exist? I don't know, man.
1: These guys are suffering.
0: Billboard called him out for being a one hit one of the best one hit wonders of the two thousands. Um, which was compiled, I guess, in two thousand nine, at the end of the two thousands. They came as number three. They were one of the top one hit wonders of the decade.
1: This song is like a song that Sugar Ray would have turned down. Like (laughs) yes, (laughs) like came to them were like, "Hey Sugar Ray, we got this whole idea for a song." You'd be like, "Ah, "That sounds lame." These guys picked it up.
0: I mean, there's one saving grace here is that if you look up the credits to the song, John Frusciante and Flea still got songwriting credit (laughs) because, I mean, it's so prevalent in that song. It's it's the same five second loop over and over and over again.
1: (laughs) That's really funny.
0: So, just to prove to you how badass these new metal guys are, they went by the names Epic and Shifty Shellshock. Dude, if I ever asked you to call me Shifty Shock, just smack me in the face, please.
1: Are these guys, they're like people that go to, like, uh, the gathering every year. <laughs> Yo, I'm Epic. I'm Shifty Shellshock. Oh, man.
0: Hey, what's up, Roger? How's it going? It's a Friday night. Good to see you. Oh, no, I'm Ro- not Roger anymore. Now you call me Epic. <laughs> like Epic. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah. Man. I'm going to call them the Butterfly Boys. They actually played Ozfest in 2001. They were invited. Time out. And like, Hold on. I guess at the time they were like metal enough to play Ozfest, but they were still mocked anyways. Like the whole crowd would call them, oh, you know them Butterfly Boys?
1: Steve, who the hell invited these guys to Ozfest in 2000? What was the lineup in Ozfest of 2001? Was it like them? Did it also include Britney Spears? Like, come on. Yeah. These guys have nothing. <laughs> Oh my Maybe gosh. that's just
0: when Ozzy Osbourne started to like lose his mind a little bit. I don't know.
1: Unbelievable. It's probably his daughter's idea. Anyways, that's our show. Any any last words? Any last
0: words? That's our show? I feel like we can go on and on with this stuff, but no, we, it was a good show. We probably could. Welcome back to season two.
1: Yeah, welcome back to season two. Let's uh let's keep it going and remember to subscribe and do all that good stuff. And uh, all right, Steve, peace out. Peace out. We three hockey doors got our snake finger on Now let us drink the stars, it's time to steal away.